You're listening to episode 38 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munira Azuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will talk about recruitment. So how a candidate can rise up and can be seen better than another one when he's tried to be hired, if I can say. So for that, I have Mitch Robbins from the Anthony, Anthony Michael Group, so AMG, uh, who will help us on that. He's a specialist on the recruitment. Uh, so we, he will provide, I hope, some good tips for you on how to be Uh, to propose a good value, how to uh, be better and seen better than the other candidates. So, Mitch, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on the show, Monir. So it's great. So thank you for being here. So we will talk. We will try to help some candidates uh, to be uh, to be hired or to be uh, promoted because we have also I think a topic on that. Uh, and at the end, I just want you to speak a bit about one thing, which is your podcast. You have also a podcast, and uh, I like also people when they are speaking about their podcast because uh, it's something that I'm trying to uh, to uh, encourage people to do more. So it's really great. So let's start first by an introduction. So. So can you introduce yourself and maybe also your group? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I am, uh, my name is Mitch Robbins. I'm the founder and managing director here at a company in Denver, Colorado called the Anthony uh, Michael Group. We help organizations primarily within the medical device, uh, diagnostics, and digital health space to build elite uh, technical teams. So that's really areas uh, like regulatory affairs, quality, Uh, engineering, R&D, manufacturing, and operations, while simultaneously, obviously, helping candidates uh, enhance their careers. And uh, the company was founded uh, going on uh, almost four years ago, actually, four years ago this fall. And then um, I've been a headhunter myself going on. This is my 11th year. So I'm excited to be here uh, talking about today's topic with you. No, it's great. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I hope that uh, this will help a lot of candidates. And let's start directly with the first question, which is what is really a candidate value proposition? What is that? Sure. So I think to answer this question, I, I like to talk about what the inverse is first. So <clears throat> we as recruiters always are harping on our client companies to establish and, and leverage what we call the employer value proposition. So in essence, the employer value proposition helps that company articulate what is different, what is so compelling about what they have to offer that will help, help them rise above all the noise in the marketplace in an effort to attract the talent that they're looking to speak with, right? And so these are compelling differentiators that we help them walk through it and build. Because if you look on, uh, you know, websites like Indeed.com or Career Builder, wherever you look at job postings, you'll notice that 90, 95% of, of the postings are all the same. They talk about requirements, right? Yeah. And, uh, and very little about what's in it for the candidate. So the inverse is the candidate value proposition. Think about yourself, let's just say regulatory affairs spe specialist. In essence, you're doing, you have very similar responsibility in a medical device organization than the next regulatory specialist does in another uh, organization, okay. right? The difference is, what about you? What outcomes do you deliver? What outcomes have you delivered? What about your portfolio of experience, both 
from a technical standpoint and also from that gray area, relationship building. What's different about you that's going to help you rise above the competition when you're interviewing for another job, either internally or externally? That's in essence what the candidate value proposition is. Another way to think about it is what is your brand, right? What is your own personal brand? Your, your professional and personal brand, in essence, uh, is your candidate value proposition. No, it's great. And it's good also to talk about brands because uh, every people will say that, uh, yeah, there are some brands like uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all those kind of things. But uh, as you mentioned, everybody has his own brand. So it's more about reputation. What is your reputation on the market? What is your reputation with, uh, within this company or the other? So it's really, I think, uh, a good word to, uh, to uh, spread for the candidates to say you have your own brand. So you have also to market it. And it's really about marketing. And I suppose the fact that you have have some CVs, you have some uh, profiles also on LinkedIn uh, are also things that you should not really um, just consider lightly, if I can say you have really to provide also good information there so that you can be chosen as a candidate. Is it correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So think about it. There's so many different pieces that go into your brand and anything that you do or touch is going to affect that brand either positively or negatively, right? So you're absolutely right. The LinkedIn profile, your resume, the way you interact with people, um, you know, in your organization and the reputation that you start to build from those interactions. Absolutely. It's all part of it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that when you are working for a company, uh, you, as you mentioned, yeah, you have the, the, the part where you are trying to seduce a company to be there where you can be hired, but you have also the part where you are already working for a company and you can also build your brand there. You can be seen as the, the guy who is taking care of this or the guy who is really mastering this thing. So it's also something that you can already do. So for people that are listening now, um, what are some of the tips or, or, or tricks or, or things that they can use uh, to fix that and to be really seen uh, as, uh, as a good candidate? Sure. So, so let's break it down. Let's talk about <clears throat> a couple different ways. Let's talk about the LinkedIn profile first. Okay. Because okay. let's face it, uh, the majority of people are on LinkedIn, right? And whether or not you're looking for a job today doesn't really matter because what is on your profile is affecting your value proposition, your brand, right? And so let me talk about some of the common pitfalls I see with, with LinkedIn profiles. So first and foremost, the, the easiest one is, is not even having a picture, right? So there's it's so many profiles out there that don't have a picture. Well, who are you? Are somebody, right? So not very hard to get in a, uh, a uh, uh, professional attire and take a picture and get it on LinkedIn. So that's number one. And number two is this, this is so common. The summary section, the about section, so many people don't leverage that section. It's an opportunity to express the accolades that you've achieved and the outcomes that you've delivered, right? And what you, you want to do is you don't want to say, I'm a medical device professional in regulatory affairs. You don't want to say, uh, you know, something that's so generic that nobody knows who you are. You want to leverage that section to the fullest and have that mindset of what's in it for me, meaning... If a prospective hiring manager or a recruiter happens to stumble upon your profile, what outcomes have you delivered that could help with the priorities or the pain points they might be dealing with right now, right? And the way to think about it is think about the responsibilities you have currently in your own organization. What, uh, when it comes review time, what are you benchmarked on? 
to, to gauge your performance. That's what you want to focus on. Where have you delivered? Save money, not necessarily save money in some of these technical functions, although you could, you know, in quality engineering, save money, made money, improved a process, right? Measurable outcomes that you've been able to help deliver is where you want to focus. The other thing is, it's, it's just for this point. So it's really a great point because uh, sometimes I also get some connections from people that are trying to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know those persons, so I try to see who they are, what they have done. And when there is this small summary section, I like it because I really see who is this person or what is this company or what they are doing. When there is nothing, I'm a bit suspicious and say, oh, it's strange. Also, uh, they are not feeling this information. Is it uh, really a good person or not? I, I don't know. So yeah, please fill this section because it's really something that people are looking at. Absolutely. And it's just such a golden opportunity. The space is there for you. So why not leverage it to exp explain and, and demonstrate who you are and how you can bring value, right? That's clear. Um, so it, the other thing is I get a lot of complaints. Uh, I always ask, you know, what are you frustrated by with recruiters? Because people get hounded by recruiters a lot. One of the most common complaints is I get reached out to for positions that I'm not qualified for or that is in my area of expertise, right? A lot of times, I hate to say it, a lot of times that falls back on that person's responsibility. Because if you put up there, you're a regulatory affairs specialist, but you're actually a medical device regulatory affairs specialist who specializes in post-market, right? Not product development, not pre-market, or you're a quality engineer, but you're actually a design quality engineer. That's on you to express what your specific responsibility is, right? And yeah. let somebody find you for the right reasons versus having to reach out to you because if they don't, they don't know any better. They don't know if you're qualified or not. It's really a great, great point, I think. And uh, maybe yeah, for people to uh, really be really specific on their profiles. Uh, because yeah, I didn't saw that on that way, but yeah, I am, I am uh, feeling my profile and I'm, I'm not really putting also those kind of precisions. But uh, once I remember I've been contacted to uh, perform some computer system validations, I am specialized in, in quality and validation also, but not computer system validation. And I was complaining why this person is contacting me for that. It's not on my CV, etc. But it was not also clear on my CV that, that I'm not, I'm more specialized on, on, on another field. So I think it's a great point for people to be really, if they don't want to be annoyed by not uh, good propositions, really to be specific on their profiles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, <clears throat> the other fault or the flaw I see is almost having too much information to where you can lose the person or too much information to where there's no reason to contact you. What you want to do is you, you want to give them a taste, right? You want somebody to be intrigued enough. A hiring manager might message you directly or a recruiter. You want to give enough substance talking about the outcomes you've helped deliver to where the person wants to know more, but you don't want to give every, away anything, right? You want to solicit that conversation. And then the other piece is, having recommendations on your profile. Yeah. <laughs> right? Credibility. Credibility from social proof, in essence, is what it is. Just like any business wants social proof and testimonials. Same thing with your own brand. So recommendations from previous supervisors or previous colleagues, or perhaps it's a supplier that worked with you. Somebody that can speak to, you know what, this person knows how to deliver and here's how. Because all it does is give that uh, person who's reaching out to you to try and hire you or to try and to talk to you about an opportunity that could be an enhancement the confidence that, you know what, this person might be the real deal. Other people say they are. 
Yeah, no, it's it's really a good point. Also, uh, I started, I think, a few months ago to start to ask recommendations from people I work with uh, because I it's it's also good. You you can also see what people are thinking of you. I don't think they will put uh, wrong things, but anyway, I think on LinkedIn, if you, if they put wrong things, you are reviewing that first and you are accepting the recommendation or you are canceling it. So so it's a yeah. good thing. But yeah, I think it's a good point to ask recommendations to people that you are worked with um, because yeah, I think it's a good value also to 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 be seen as a person that is really efficient on on what they are doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, I'll tell you some of the pitfalls with resumes. So we'll just transition into, into yeah. the resume piece. So we call it the opposite rule. You know, a lot of people have summary sections at the top of, of their resume. And more often than not, you'll see uh, descriptions like dynamic team player or, um, you know, energetic, motivated leader. Okay. Okay. The opposite rule is if you can't say the opposite and have it make sense, it's too generic. Who would it, who would say I'm not a dynamic leader? I'm not motivated, right? It's too generic. What you've got to think about the what's in it for me. So, um, 14 years, medical device, regulatory affairs experience, both pre and post market in class two and class three devices with successful track record of X, Y, and Z. Now you're talking, right? Now you're telling somebody, here's what I've done and here's how I can deliver for you. Now, I think right? it's, it's, it's a good point because then you are not seen as any other candidates because I suppose all the other candidates will do the same, will put anti-dynamic, et cetera. But if you are providing really specific skills or I call them the ninja skills, so uh, then I think it could be seen as really a good a good value for, for some companies and you will be seen also um, better than other candidates. So it's also something that is important here. Absolutely. And so that's that's the biggest thing right at the top. The next thing is people, I, Monir, I've seen people copy their job descriptions, put it as as their responsibilities really? on the resume. Yes. Where I can literally match it up. How is that differentiating you? How that's just like just just as bad as a company putting all the requirements and not saying what's in it for the candidate right on their job description. You want to be heavy on outcomes and uh, um, less on responsibilities. So everybody, so again, I go back to a regulatory affairs director in a medical device organization who's responsible for pre-market is very similar to the next, right? Their goal is to find, figure out the pathway, get these products to market. Yeah. As a result of your responsibility, what outcomes, made money, saved money, improved the process, improved a timeline, what did you achieve as a result of your responsibility? So heavy with bullet points of your outcomes and very little, a couple sentences of what is the scope of your responsibility. So somebody at least knows, okay, I lead a team of three people um, and I'm responsible for the pre-market piece of regulatory. Great. Then the rest is about bullet, uh, bullet point outcomes. Does that make sense? No, it makes totally sense. And I, I see also some resumes of some people on their profile putting like, uh, I've taken care about a budget of $2 million or something like that. So also to show how big was, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's how big was the department that took care of or how much money they were really managing, et cetera, et cetera. So they are really putting some outcomes or how many audits they, they had passed, are we successfully or not, et cetera, et cetera. So they are putting some, I call them KPIs, so really, to say, here is what I really have done. It's facts. It's not just, uh, I think I'm good at this or that. No, I really have done that. You know what? You bring up a good point. So yes, the more quantifiable, quantifiable and measurable your resume is, the more value. But think about this. 
in business, you're measured on KPIs and you use KPIs to measure the productivity of your business, right? Regardless of the department, you use metrics and therefore your boss uses metrics to gauge your performance and your team's performance. Why wouldn't you use that to measure your own career success on your resume, right? It's the exact same thing. I think it can also be seen by a company really uh, as a good thing because uh, maybe they are looking for people that have this kind of, um, of uh, how can I say, dashboard or <laughs> things with those kind of results because they are looking for a specific, a specific candidate. So being so specific like that can also make you be chosen uh, against another candidate. Absolutely. And then the other thing I want to point out is resumes are just way too long. You know, especially in the technical world, you can get these 25 page alphabet soup resumes that have all the technical jargon in the world, right? Yeah. My rule of thumb is 10 years of experience. If you have more than 10 years, you can summarize it. If somebody really wants to know past 10 years of history, they can dig in and ask you when you're in the conversation. But you can summarize the types of positions you held and um, the years of experience you have that. But with 10 years of meaty, bullet-pointed, measurable outcomes, quantifiable, that's, that's good enough. You don't need 25 pages of resume. As a recruiter or as a hiring manager or as an internal HR talent acquisition professional, think about this. The volume that comes in, you literally have 30 seconds to look at a resume and, look and, and decide whether or not you want to speak to the person or learn more. What I look for is I look for outcomes on the resume I look for tenure and their dates of employment to see if there's red flags there. I look for education. And then I also look at um, uh, titles too, to give me a sense of, okay, on my roadmap, are these titles relevant? Okay, great. Now let me look at the outcomes. Let me look at the tenure. Let me look at their education. That's really what I look for in about 30 seconds. No, it's great. And for me, I also look at something, it's uh, keywords, because uh, where we are working sometime on the technical side, uh, when we see the keywords that we want to see uh, regarding, uh, for example, validation of processes or, for example, uh, quality or regulatory affairs topic, if they are talking, for example, now about uh, MDR 2017-745 or about uh, those ISO 13485, I say, oh, he knows, I mean, he knows, he's, he's, somebody that I, I will look the C, uh, the CV. If they are starting to talk about ISO 9001, which has nothing to do with my business or all those things, I say, okay, maybe it comes from another business, so it would be maybe difficult to hire him as a candidate. So it's also keywords that are really important, I think, for candidates to, uh, to look at. You know, you make, you make another great point. So I'm not a technical expert, but I'm involved with the technical function enough to, to recognize that stuff. But think about it from an HR standpoint or maybe a recruiter who doesn't always work in this niche. You want to make it as easy as possible to pick out the things they're looking for, right? Make their lives easier in an effort to help you get what you want, which is an interview. That's great. It's exactly that. <laughs> okay. So, um, I think, is it okay for you have some other pitfalls or some other? No, stuff? go for it. Go for it. Right. So, and now, um, let's also go to candidates that are already working for a company. So, they are inside the company and they want to be promoted. How do you see it? How, what, is, what, is, what can be some advice that you can give to those people? So, you mentioned earlier that I run this podcast, and I think it's relevant to bring it up here. <clears throat> so, I run a podcast called RAQA Today. Right now, it's on SoundCloud and it's on iTunes. This started with the um, intention of, of really providing a platform for tips, tricks, and strategies to help regulatory and quality professionals. And it's kind of expanded into the technical piece of the cross-functional wheel, right? So R&D, engineering, manufacturing, et cetera. Tips, tricks, and strategies, not only on career, ch or excuse me, business challenges that you face, 
but also career challenges. And so as part of this initiative, we've interviewed a variety of executives from across the industry. And I asked them this question, when you're looking to build your teams, number, what do you look for? But also, how do you separate your A players or your elite talent from the rest? And one of the things that was consistent, and this is the answer to your question, how do I, you know, how do I help myself get promoted? It's take risk. Stick your neck out in the organization. Find opportunities to be part of projects that aren't necessarily part of your stated scope of responsibility. The more you can stretch yourself um, and stick your neck out and take on projects, you're going to do a couple things. You're going to put yourself in uncomfortable situations that's going to naturally grow your skill set, but you're going to increase drastically increase the visibility within your organization so that as opportunities to be promoted come up, people are going to start to think of you because you've been able to deliver and, and go out of your way to proactively deliver. That's probably one of the most primary things. Other than that is leverage what you do, what you are responsible for and deliver to the fullest. If you got to work late, work late. If you don't know an answer, be resourceful and go find the answers. Constantly be thinking about how can I make my boss's life easier? What does my boss need me to deliver on? What can I deliver above and beyond for? So that that person is constantly thinking, how do they bring me up, right? I'm not a nuisance. I'm not uh, just there, you know, as somebody's that person's got to manage, but I'm that person's asset. So that person naturally wants to pull you up within the organization. No, I think it's really a great point. So um, getting out of your comfort zone, uh, try to take risks, uh, having the possibility then to grow and to learn new things. Uh, yeah, and really, I think it's, it's something that people should really take and should really try if they really want to be promoted. If they are good where they are, it's okay. But if they really want to rise, so it's, it's a really a good, a good advice. Uh, now, also in terms of recruitment, so when um, I, I mean, you are a recruiter, so you are, I think, engaging with a lot of candidates. Uh, so how... Do you think candidates should be should handle the fact that they are approached by those recruiters? So what is the thing that they have to to do or to not do? Or I don't know. So I get the fact that that thinking about your next step is not your prior primary responsibility. And especially when you're gainfully employed and happy, it's not necessarily your main priority. I get that. We all have stressful lives. We all have things to deliver on. So it's this catch 22. I can't talk to everybody. I can't answer every email when I'm constantly being reached out to, but at the same time, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity, right? And so here's a few ideas. First thing is qualify the recruiters who are reaching out to you. How many placements have you made within my specific space, right? What, what's your area of expertise? What are some companies that you've worked for, uh, worked with? So again, building that credibility that I'm spending the time with the right people. What was the last type of position uh, that you did place for? So qualify, ask a couple of these questions to, to make sure it's worth your time. I, what I, I guess, let me back up for a second. What I strongly encourage you to do is never burn bridges. Don't, don't be, you know, don't ignore these people to the best of your ability. Don't ignore, don't be rude to them. God forbid you're out on the street tomorrow. You're going to need these people. These people are very well networked and can make or sometimes make or break your career by opening doors for you. But I guess a good analogy would be a minivan. So think about, walk with me here. Think about this. You go onto a car lot and the car salesman says, um, you know, how can I help you today? Oh, I'm in the market, uh, you know, for a new vehicle. And they start showing you, hey, how about this car? It's, it's uh, four doors. It's red. No, that's not going to work. Oh, how about this truck? It's black. It's got, you know, air conditioning, four wheel drive. No, that's not work. And on and on trying to figure out what do you want, right? 
versus you walk onto the lot and say, I'm looking for a minivan. It's got to be, uh, it has to have alloy wheels. It's got to be black leather interior. It's got to be a white exterior. And it's got to be within three years old, under $40,000. If you have that, would you please show it to me? If not, if you get it, I want on you out, would you call me? How much more effective is that salesperson now going to be delivering value to what's important to you? It's the same thing with recruiting, right? If I understand as a recruiter, what's important to you, location, scope of responsibility, the types of people you want to work with, the types of culture that you thrive in, how much more value am I going to deliver to you? So I would say qualify your recruiters and then take the time either via email, on a conversation, tell them what's important to you because they're going to do the heavy lifting out in the marketplace. If an opportunity comes up that could provide that enhancement to your situation, why wouldn't you want to know about it? But a recruiter, I think, again, it's the, the catch-22. I get frustrated with recruiters reaching out to me about things that aren't important to me, but I'm not taking the time to tell them what's important to me, right? That, that's my advice. No, it's really clear. Um, yeah, I know that I also get some calls from recruiters myself, and they ask me just to have a call to for me to tell them what I need, what I want, uh, where, which location, am I mobile, or this or So it takes five to ten minutes. You just say to them what what are your criteria, and then maybe they will come back to you in a few months or maybe one year and say to you, yeah, I have something for you uh, following your criteria. So I think, yeah, there are some recruiters that are doing this strategy. But yeah, as you mentioned, also uh, having some recruiters that are specialized in your area, I think is really critical because then you are really following the right uh, companies, the right businesses, and also you have a better knowledge about those positions or the the qualification of the people that uh, that should be on those positions, which uh, gets, um, yeah, help you not losing time and also gets uh, the right candidate with the right company. I think it's uh, really good advice. Absolutely. So, um, Mitch, so how people can follow up with you? So where, where are you uh, famous? Yeah. So I appreciate that. So get, so a couple of things. So the podcast, the RIQA Today podcast, it's on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, the AnthonyMichaelGroup.com is our website. Um, my personal email, if anybody has any questions, is Mitch at theanthonymichaelgroup.com. But I think of most value, I have recently created a no-cost, no-obligation vault of resources, okay? okay? So the vault it consists of video presentations, slide presentations, audios. These are audios from top executives in the industry talking about how do they build their teams and what do they look for. I go through all this stuff in detail. How do you build out your elite, elite LinkedIn profile? flaws, how, how to fix with your resume, with examples, um, and so many other things within this vault. And it's no cost, no obligation. The only caveat, it is very specifically for uh, technical talent in, in these industries. So you can uh, log on and, and check it out for yourself. It's theanthonymichaelgroup.com slash elite career talent and uh, have a look for yourself. Yeah, I will put all those information on the on the show notes that people can go and just click. Uh, and I think yeah, it will be really a, a good value for, for those people. So really go and check uh, check those information. I think it's, uh, it's really great. So thank you for that, Mitch. Um, just one question, maybe one last question. Why uh, have you called this uh, company the Anthony Michael Group? Ah, you got me. One of, one of the few who asks. Um, <laughs> I don't know, because you said you are the founder, but you are not called Anthony or Michael. So I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> my firstborn. Oh. My firstborn, his name is Anthony Michael. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. great. So that's yeah, I started, so he was born on July 4th, uh, 2015. And I founded the business in October. Oh, really great. Nice story. Yeah. Really nice story. Because I was curious. I said, when you said I'm the founder, I said, Mitch Robbins. What is this about? <laughs> but it's yeah. great. really great. To it's kind of one of those underlying things that's close to me and, 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 and dear to me, but uh, not necessarily visible to the, to the, uh, to the public. So I appreciate it. Nice, great. So thank you for that. Okay. Something else from your side? That's it. I just want to say I'm uh, very appreciative to you for having me on the show. I really appreciate what you're doing uh, with your uh, platforms, Easy Medical Device and everything, and what you're doing for the industry. So thanks so much for having me on the show. Really, thank you. Really appreciate it. So really, thank you for that. Okay, so thank you everyone for watching uh, the podcast or watching if you are on YouTube or listening if you are on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, all those platforms. So thank you for that. Don't forget also to provide me a review or comment on the YouTube channel. And uh, don't hesitate to go also on all the links that I would put on the show notes uh, from uh, Mitch Robbins. So uh, just to get all the information on all the value that he just provided today on the on this podcast episode okay so mitch thank you for your help thank you for all the information you provided and i wish you a nice day likewise thanks so much